when you talk about this reluctance to sales, that's because I believe lots of people are just going into, can I kiss you? Can I kiss you? Can I kiss you? And they've not earned the right to do it. And because they haven't earned the right to do it, they're getting rejection. And because they get that rejection, they don't want to do it. You know, that is one small part of the process. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with the talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, it's Adam here, and thanks so much for tuning into the show today. Now, before we dive into the episode, I just wanted to let you know how you can get hold of a free copy of my book, Conversational Relationship Marketing, because inside you're going to find 10 golden rules for B2B and professional service firms that consistently create client sales opportunities and drives revenue growth. And you'll find out how to do all of that using professionalism, ethics and good manners. So what you can do to get your free copy is go to the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And when you get hold of the book, what you're going to discover is a simple strategy to ensure that you consistently have a full calendar of motivated and qualified ideal potential clients who want to discuss doing business with you. And what I'm literally doing is giving away the exact entire strategy that my clients pay thousands to implement with them. Not only that, I share throughout the book links to templates, frameworks and workbooks that you can use to actually implement the strategy and get results. And it's all for free, no strings attached. In fact, there isn't even an opt-in. So please make sure you go and grab your copy on the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And if you want to grab some of the other gifts and resources that I offer there, please help yourself. So I hope you go and get the book. I hope you read it. And more importantly, I hope you do something with it. And when you do, I'd love to get your feedback on the results that you've got. But until then, Let's get to today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, if you're like many of us in B2B or professional services, you love doing what you do, but you might feel a bit anxious or even a little bit fearful when it comes to the actual sales part. Now, look, having been there myself, so I can I can talk from experience here. The reason I think that this happens is because of, of really a complete lack of understanding about what sales actually is. See, I think that many people equate sales with making people buy things they don't want or don't need or maybe they can't even afford. And perhaps movies like uh, Wolf of Wall Street or Glen Gary, Glen Ross that push that idea of always be closing or the or maybe the stereotypical used car salesman springs to mind. Right. These these kind of uh, perceptions and images, they don't help with that image of what actually, you know, what sales actually is. But honestly, sales is not evil. It's not bad especially when you have something that can genuinely help your clients. Because if you have that, then you're doing a disservice by not improving your ability to actually sell. Because we've all heard the saying that people want to buy, they just don't want to be sold to. Meaning that sales is, it's about helping people to make an informed and autonomous decision about whether your solution is the best way for them to get what they want. And how, you know, I guess you're sort of, Maybe still thinking, well, how do you sell in an effective yet an ethical world? Well, sales is not my area of expertise. So I thought who better to show you how to do this than an expert sales trainer, right? So my guest today is the owner of Simcoe Trainer, uh, Simcoe Training. He's, the, he's an author, a podcaster and a speaker with well over 20 years of in the trenches experience gained at every level from sales rep to sales management and senior management in the motor trade. Now, I did say motor trade, so not only are you going to hear how you can improve the way you sell, you're also going to hear why the stereotypes around car salesmen should be well and truly buried. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today on the Client Catching Podcast, Simon Balkett. Simon, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Adam and yourself? Yes, very well, very well. And um, well, I, I say Simon, really, I should be saying uh, Skip or Skippy, shouldn't I? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's what you're known as. Why don't you just sort of give us that story there? 
Yeah, well, I, I grew up in Australia. I uh, started the motor trade when I was 17 years old. Uh, but I left in, I think it was 95, doing the typical backpacking thing that we Aussies need to do. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of culture back home. Uh, the joke is that uh, you could almost record Australia's history on a camcorder. So we all come to Europe. We want to travel around the world. So in 95, uh, I found myself in a Nissan dealership in High Wycombe, and uh, uh, I bumped into a lady called Emma who was the business manager there, and uh, I got stuck here. I don't know if stuck's the right way to describe that. <laughs> I'll be in trouble for that one. Um, but when I came over in 95, I was branded the name Skippy. And if your listeners know why I'm called Skippy, that ages them. Um, because the, the Skippy, the bush kangaroo, in fact, Adam, you'll be too young. I have to explain to these people sometimes about this 10-year-old kid that could speak to the kangaroo, and uh, the kangaroo would say... Oh, what's that, Skippy? You need 30 foot of rope. Let me go get Dad. Well, that name, uh, I hated it in 95, but funny thing with branding, I suppose, that's your expertise, it sort of stuck. And there'd be plenty of our clients that wouldn't know my name is Simon. They just know me as Skippy or Skip. So uh, either or, either or, it doesn't bother me now. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how, um, how how something can just stick and stick with you for a very, very long time. And, and, and as you say, yes, that's that's a form of branding, especially if you are in a particular area that you're known for. But um, I guess the same thing can happen in reverse. You know, a negative connotation can be associated with something that sticks. And it's really hard to um, to actually sort of remove that if you're you know, if you're if you're trying to move in another direction. So, yeah, I mean, a harmless sort of nickname doesn't help. It uh, doesn't hurt. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I like that story. And uh, I'm not too young to remember <laughs> uh, Skippy the kangaroo. I do remember. It does age me. Um, I don't know how I've managed to keep this baby face over 40. There we go. <laughs> so, I, will um, say, I will say one thing, though. I have been in the UK long enough that I've even bred to English people. So uh, um, since 95. So I think I've uh, um, been here longer now than I've been in Australia. So uh, I call both places home now. That's good to know. That's good to hear. So, um as as I think, I think I've uh, sort of alluded to there in, in your introduction, what... Um, this this is not a subject that I've I've covered directly on the podcast because it's it's something that I've I've sort of skirted around, um, really the, the the sort of edges on because it's not my area of expertise. Um, I am not a natural born salesperson. I'm not. I haven't always been comfortable with it. Having uh, you know started on my own, it's something I had to get to grips with really quite quickly. And and actually, weirdly, I've developed my business and and the things and the systems that I do almost to have to remove what I feel used to be the 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 sales process or the actual hard selling sort of, you know, as I say, Wolf of Wall Street, that kind of thing with the systems and the processes that kind of build someone up to that when I'm having a conversation, it's more of a conversation. I don't feel like I'm selling, but you still do need to sell. I've, I've realized that that isn't necessarily the case. There is that sales requirement and there are things that you need to be able to do and understand and listen for in that conversation. So if, first of all, I know why I have a fear of sales. What what do you think are the reasons why people have the fear of sales or the uncomfortableness around sales that is quite prevalent out there? Yeah, you know what? That fear of selling is natural in all of us. Um, the phrase that uh, I learned very early on is shy salespeople raise skinny kids. Um, and it's never been more true. You've got to get out of that shyness. But let, let's talk about why we have that reluctance. Oh, and by the way, Adam, I'm exactly the same. Whenever I have to pick up that phone and make that sales call, I'll be honest with you, the phone gets heavy. I'll make a thousand excuses not to pick up that phone. But I know if I don't pick up the phone, I'm probably not going to get the result that I want. But you know what? S selling is a process. Um, in any sale, there's three sales in any sale. You've got to sell yourself first, the product or the service second, and then the deal and the numbers so as long as we remember, you've got to sell yourself first, then the product or the service selling, and then the numbers. All too often, I find salespeople going into the numbers first, the numbers second, the numbers third. They're doing that because their prospect, their suspect, the person they're wanting to sell their services to, is saying, well, what's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? And they're not armed with objection handling techniques to be able to say, okay, we're going to get to that. Let's sell ourselves first, the product or service second, and then the deal. Let's go back to our single days. 
No, mm. selling cars. Uh, we sell cars. We do a lot of business to business. This process is nothing I've dreamt up. Nothing a Tony Robbins of the world has dreamt up, a Grant Cardone. People trading camels in a desert 2,000 years ago. I don't think there'd be much difference. Firstly, the salesperson have to get their attitude right. I mean, when the prospect turned up to have a look at the camels, if our salesperson turned around and said, whoa, hold on for a second, it's close to closing time, you're going to have to come back next week, we probably wouldn't go back there. We'd find somewhere else. There'd definitely be some sort of introduction. In selling, we call it a meet and greet. But right at the meet and greet 2,000 years ago, I think you'd still have people saying, hey, what's your best price on that camel? Right now, cash, no trade. You'd still have people saying, uh, can you give me an idea what my donkey's worth? I won't hold you to it, just a ballpark figure. Hey, Adam, we definitely have to qualify the biggest step salespeople leave out. We'd have to qualify uh, why they're looking at the camel. We'd probably use their current situation as a qualifying tool. Again, so many times salespeople miss out the client or the customer's current situation. 2,000 years ago, wouldn't we say, hey, Mr. Prospect, how are you getting your goods around at the moment? Donkeys. Okay. Well, what do you like most about donkeys? They're cheap. Ah, price conscious customer. Probably wants a uh, Dacia camel. Uh, what don't you like about uh, your donkeys? Uh, it keeps dying in the desert. Ah, now we found a problem we can offer a solution to. Well, listen, why are you looking to change? They might say, oh, well, I've been carrying around uh, frankincense and myrrh and I'm transferring to gold for the next Christmas season. Ah, sounds like a very wise man, sir. Okay, come on, have a look at this Sahara Desert version there. You see, we found the problem we can offer the solution to. Mm. 2,000 years ago, it doesn't end there. Adam, you'd still have to do some sort of presentation and demonstration on the product or service. 2,000 years ago, wouldn't the salesperson say, come and have a look at this camel. I've got a good deal on beige ones at the moment. It's a Sahara Desert version. It's been drinking water for the last two weeks, so it's full of water. Okay, it's a two-humper, so you can put the gold right in the middle so it won't fall out. They'd probably say 2,000 years ago, hey, listen, um, do you want to take the camel for a test ride to make sure it's right? Okay, no, 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 sir, on top of the camel or whatever. 2,000 years ago, you get people saying, ah, oh, no, I don't want to ride the camel until I get the numbers right. But unless the camel would do exactly the job that person was looking for, it doesn't matter how cheap it was. But 2,000 years ago, do you not think we would get people saying, okay, Mr. Camel salesperson, I'll tell you what, I'll give you three pigs and my mother-in-law for that camel. And the person selling would say, no, your mother-in-law is a pig. What I want is seven <laughs> pigs and your best-looking youngest wife. Wouldn't that still happen? 2,000 years ago, you'd probably have people saying, okay, well, that's definitely food for thought. Uh, we never buy a camel on the day. We just want to think about it. Our job as salespeople is to follow this process, being around for a long, long time. However, there's one thing that your listeners uh, my salespeople working for me have to put up with now that the camel salesperson didn't have to put up with 2,000 years ago. And that's the internet. We've got this thing called Google. People do so much research on the product or service now, they know more about it sometimes than what the salesperson does. And that's why the customers go straight into best deal, best price. And our job is to slow them down to get those three sales. Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot in there that um, I I can hear and 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 that I think is is vital to understand. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've pulled out there is that first of all, um, if you're interested in a beige camel, then um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know where to go. Yeah, um, go and talk to Simon. But um, in all seriousness, I think that what you've described there in that process is is very much along the lines of and and. And we're almost like cats and dogs, right? We, uh, we kind of live together, but we don't always get on sales and marketing, right? Yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, sales, they're all about, right, we, uh, you know, these leads are crap. We want better ones. And marketing is like, well, you're not good enough to close the sales, that, you know, yep. with the leads we've got, that kind of thing. But marketing as well, it's, it's I, I often say it's kind of like you need to be marketing the problem you solve more than the service or the product that you are offering. And you've yep. said it in a similar way. It's kind of like in the sales process, really 80 to 90% of that process is an uncovering 
the, the either the problem or it's un, understanding the need or the desire of the person to even know whether it's worth going on to that next phase of suggesting your yep. service. Because you're going to waste a lot of time if you don't actually qualify that, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Listen, I'm going to be a bit rude and crudy, and I hope your listeners don't mind. But think back to our single days. Because I, when people say, oh, I'm not a salesperson, you know what? We're all salespeople. Okay, our kids are salespeople. When you turn around and say, have you, when Sean was quite young, we jumped in the car, we were driving away in the morning, I said, have you brushed your teeth? To which he replied, not yet. Okay, not yet. When were you going to do it, mate, tonight there? Um, But listen, we're selling from when we're kids, late with a handover. In relationships, this sales process, when we meet our partners, is it that different? You think about the young guy. Back in my days, it used to be a, uh, a nightclub. Who am I kidding? They used to call it a disco. Okay, but the, the man might start with a bit of liquid attitude. Not too much. It gets very messy. There has to be some sort of meet and greet. Okay, we definitely qualify. Okay, well, you here with your boyfriend or not? Oh, oh, no, boyfriend at the moment. Oh, okay, well, hen's party. Ah, they're good value. But don't we spend so much time qualifying the customer, not just the deal, okay? I remember speaking to Emma for hours about stuff I wasn't interested in because I was interested in her. Oh, ballet, that always amazed me. How do they get up on their toes like that? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I've never been to a ballet. I'd love to go to a ballet. Now, Adam, I've been married for 22 years now. How many ballets do you reckon I've been to? (laughs) More than you had in your single days, probably. (laughs) You know what? None. It was the most amazing conversation in the world when I was speaking to her, but I was qualifying the customer. Does that make me a bad person? Possibly. But you know what? She did the same thing. Oh, Australia. I'd love to go to Australia. It's my dream. I'd love to live there. She lied. She doesn't want to leave the UK. But we're qualifying the customer, not just the deal. Because you know what? Back to that poor salesperson. How far would I have got if I just went in with deal qualification. Yeah, sure, Emma, I'd like to buy you a drink, but before I do, can I ask you a few questions? Uh, Do you actually, uh, on first dates? Um, What's your best leg opener? Red wine, gin and tonic? What what would work best on you? Okay, Uh, have you ever considered marrying someone for a visa? How far would I've got? You're Mm. right, a slap in the face. You know Mm. what, that's where salespeople get it wrong. When we meet our partners, we're selling and we're selling ourselves first, okay? Then it is the presentation demonstration. Hey, listen, that's just raising the desire in the product. And our single days, I don't might be that slow dance on the dance floor, dancing away to Lady in Red or Gangman Style in this day and age or something like that. We definitely trial clothes. We test the water. Little things like, how are you getting home? Oh, I don't know yet. Oh, you live over my way. Do you want to share a taxi on the way home? Oh, that would be lovely. Isn't that just a trial close? But here's the crude bit, okay? And I want all your listeners to sit back and think. The very first time they kissed their partner, what closing question did they use? Did they use the if I could, would you close? So uh, if I get you drunk enough tonight, is there any chance I could? uh, Probably not, I hope. Uh, Did they use the uh, alternative close, your place or mine? No, the clothes, which selling people always talk about the clothes, the clothes, Mm. the clothes so often in relationships, it's an assumptive close. The actual sale happens without us even thinking about it because we've done all the groundwork. That for Mm. me is the difference between marketing and selling. Marketing, you just, because, listen, I'm going off track here, but that's what I did back in my single days. I speak to some of these young people in the motor trade, and they look at me like I've got horns on my head. Because we live in a Tinder generation, okay? It's swipe left or right or whichever way it is, okay? You know what? Our customers want to buy in a Tinder generation. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about this reluctance to sales, that's because I believe lots of people are just going into, can I kiss you? Can I kiss you? Can I kiss you? Mm-hmm. And they've not earned the right to do it. And because they haven't earned the right to do it, they're getting rejection. Mm. And because they get that rejection, they don't want to do it. 
Mm. You know, that is one small part of the process. For me, Mm. you hit the nail on the head where marketing is actually just getting out there, speaking to a whole lot of people who might be interested. Mm. You want to walk into a nightclub with a whole lot of people who are single and are interested. There's probably not a lot of choice going into a place where people are planning their wedding. Maybe the people planning the wedding are quite happy. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> let's yeah, hope so. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's, uh, that's a great analogy. Um, you know, you're kind of marketing, you walk into a, you know, somewhere where you think there are going to be other people that could be interested in said relationship, right? And your marketing is how you present yourself. It's the, it's the kind of, you know, the approach you use and, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas the, the sales part, that happens outside of the original yeah. um, arena, right? The different channel. It's like if you're going to be going onto something like LinkedIn, for example, opening up conversations, that's your nightclub. But the idea is that when you want to actually have that conversation and deepen that, you need to change the environment. And I think that comes in quite nicely to something else that you mentioned there, which is, you know, what the camel salesman didn't have to deal with. And that is the Internet. And I know specifically within the industry that you sort of train in and, uh, you know, it's 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 car dealerships. It's, um, you know, people that are um, obviously selling cars, new cars. Um, sales cars, but also the uh, the services that go on um, in you know after after the sale. So, you know, your servicing department and all that kind of stuff. There is so much there though that is now different, especially with you know the current situation. If you know, depending on you listening to this in the lockdown, people aren't able to go onto the floor and just start browsing and then have somebody come up to them and have a conversation. A lot of it is coming through inquiry, email, all that kind of thing. Do you think it's possible to sell purely now via digital means? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And it's how the world is changing, not just the motor trade, everywhere. Because 50% of my business is teaching car dealer groups and manufacturers, OEMs, how their sales process should uh, be today. But also the other half of my business is selling to OEMs and manufacturers. And so we're doing 50% of my business is B2B. Uh, 50% is actually the uh, business to customer side of it. So let's talk about how that's changing first. Um, We all know people have so much more information nowadays. Can people actually go through a whole process from start to finish digitally without contact of the person? Um, Well, let's have a look at that. Um, If you look at a, a company called Carvana, and I urge your uh, listeners to just go and Google Carvana. They're based in America. Um, they're a pure online used car sales operation. Uh, they've been going for something like nine years now, I think. A man called Ernest Garcia was one of the original guys that set it up. Uh, if you have a look at the last two, three years, they've absolutely exploded. Their share price has gone up 500, 600%. This have in stock something like 20,000 vehicles in stock. So their process is the customers go and have a look online at every single used car. They have a full spin car on every car. They can get the actual price on the car, the monthly payments, the down payments. It asks the people um, for the finance, what their credit score is and compare it to get the best rates for them something like 60-odd percent of the customers finance through them. Customers sitting there looking and think, I like that car. It flashes up to the top of the screen, buy this car in three hours or five hours or six hours, and you can have it tomorrow. You can have it tomorrow. Customer says, yep, I want to go ahead with that car. They send it to a big vending machine. They've got something like 18 or 19 of these across the country. A big vending machine. The customer turns up and puts a big silver coin into the vending machine. Their car goes, they jump in it and drive away. If they like the car, they just keep driving and the finance uh, continues. If they don't like it within seven days, they put it back into a vending machine. So will people buy cars, big ticket purchase items without speaking to human? Hey, listen, they're proving they will. However, there's something I want to point out. I was at a conference uh, about 18 months ago now, and there's someone that was quite senior in Carvana was asked the question, how many people go through your whole process from start to finish 
without speaking to a human. And your listeners, they have to listen to his answer because it's gold for me. He said, you know what, it's a lot less than you'd think. I've got to say it's less than 5%. What we found is people still need to speak to people for that big purchase item. He said, you know what, we have planes now that can take off, do the whole flight and land without the pilot touching a single control. How about Adam? Are you ready to get onto a plane without a pilot sitting up the front? I'm not. Maybe our kids will be. Not quite. Yeah, absolutely. Not, and you not know, yet. self-driving cars and all the rest of it, they're, uh, they're being touted, but there's, yeah, there's so much, uh, yeah, yep. just, yeah, would you? I don't know. Uh, just makes so me think why it's a mission man, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why do we want the pilot there? We want the pilot there for when things go crap, when things go wrong. And that's why people want to speak to people for that trust and rapport. Now, you know, if your listeners are in the UK, listen to this. Um, we can go one stage further. There's a company started up called Kazoo. Hmm. They've been going for uh, trading for six months. They've just had a valuation of 800 million pounds. Colossal, 800 million pounds, okay? However, um, they've just purchased a used car supermarket chain in the UK, 18 sites. And I believe Alex Chesterman has already realised that we need a mixture between clicks and bricks. Mm. So are salespeople going to be needed in the future? You know what? I honestly think we will. It's Mm. changing the way we're getting to people. What we've all learned during COVID-19, you know, before this, Adam, you'd be coming to my offices and we'd be talking about what marketing strategy we're going to do. Um, the projects we've been working on, we've done it all via Zoom. That's mm. changed. Okay, we've learned so much we can do this way, how we're mm. communicating now. Uh, but I still believe people will still be part of that process. Yeah, because there's a couple of reasons that jump out to me potentially with what you've said there. And one is it's not so much that you, you know, with the with a self-flying plane example, people want someone there for when things go wrong. And if you're going through a complete process that you do not have interaction with another human being, especially for a high ticket item, if something goes wrong, you still want the ability to remember potentially that person's number, pick up the phone and actually talk to that person. It's like, you know, if you're continuing the car example, it's like, well, you know, I I, I took it off and, uh, you know, two weeks later, something went wrong with it. And I've been trying to get through the service department, blah, 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 blah. It's like, screw that. I'm going to pick up the guy and and speak to the guy that actually sold me the car. Because... You know, he's going to be invested in wanting to potentially sort of get referrals and all that kind of, he's a good, if he's a good salesperson, right? Um, then you've always got that. But there's the other piece around it. It's like, especially when it's a, a larger ticket item um, and B2B tends to be higher ticket, right? There's trust that's involved and you need the empathy and the understanding from the other person to actually listen yeah. to your challenges. Because let's be honest, the majority of times in our life, people aren't actually listening to us. Yep. You know, you're married, I'm married, um, we've got kids, you know, it's all that kind of, when was the last time you feel completely, completely understood and heard, right? If you're a good salesperson, that's your job. You're there yep. to listen and ask questions and listen more. Yeah. Yeah, dead right. That is, and again, one of the things that we see missing all the time, uh, mm. all the time. And you know what? What I like to think is anyone can sell one product or one service once. But most of the industries out there, we need to sell people again and again and again. Um, And that's where I I have issues sometimes with the, uh, you start off the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is the other one who gets banded about this all the time. And I've got to say, I, I really struggle with that movie. And I struggle with that movie because, number one, I get lots of young, impressionable salespeople in the motor trade saying, oh, I want to be like the Wolf of Wall Street. I want to be like the Wolf of Wall Street. But you think back through to the Wolf of Wall Street. How did he make his money? Well, firstly, he was selling what shares in Madison Shoes or whatever, something mm. like that, inflated. Uh, I understand he was getting a lot of people's pension pots. So he's actually ripping off old age pensioners, because that's the people that had a big old chunk of money and more impressionable. But also, 
he was operating in America, had something like what, 3 million, uh, 300 million, sorry, 300 million people. If he upset one of them, they didn't have a, an opportunity to tell lots of other people there. Most selling today, we're dealing with a smaller market. You upset that one person, they have Facebook, they have Google reviews, they have Trustpilot surveys, they can tell so many different people. Mm. Also, the Wolf of Wall Street, um, you look at the process, it's buy now or fuck off, buy now mm. or fuck off. Uh, it mm. is a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And you know what? Uh, you and I, Adam, could probably go into, when he was operating back in the early 80s, into our nightclub and just say, do you want to spend the night with me? Do you want to spend the night with me? Mm. And we might get there. But how many people would we have to burn yeah. throughout the process? And that's where I really struggled with the Wolf of Wall Street and his approach. Now, I'd like to think that it's improved. But you know what? I seen him last year in Manchester. And it was the scarcity. He had a big audience of people turning up. Uh, I had to go along to see what it's about. I went along with a fellow director. Uh, and you know what? We got up and walked out because we were listening to a sales pitch again and again. Um, and not just that. Uh, I was looking at lots of impressionable people from uh, selling anything. I was looking at him, hang on in every word he was saying, thinking he's the movie. And he's mm. offering the dream that they're going to make mm. fortunes in selling shares. And you know what? The people around me, the amount of times we picked up the phone, we searched through the companies he was recommending, and it was everywhere, scammers, 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 and watch out. That's where the world's changed. The, mm. the Wolf of Wall Streets, when people have reluctance to selling, that's what they see salespeople are. Um, mm. You know what? I doubt it really ever worked without breaking the law in a serious way. Mm. But you know what? I can well, guarantee absolutely. it doesn't work now. Yeah, because uh, unfortunately, the real way to do sales doesn't make good movies. That is true. That's true. And it's it's kind of like there's, you know, uh, the story behind it and, and the, the lavish lifestyle and what was it tossing dwarves in the office and all that kind of stuff like yep. that. That's a movie, right? That's a story. Yep. Um, yes. And we like big, bold characters in stories. You know, Alec Baldwin, always be closing. Boiler Room springs to mind with, yes. um, you know, uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Vin Diesel VC. And Vin yeah. Diesel was also yeah. in it. And it was, you know, so like, it, it's like the the way that they sold was not giving the other person time to think. Yes. Like they had it. it so down, pat, bang, bang, bang. Bing. Now, actually, the way that I found the most effective of, of, of selling is actually just talk a hell of a lot less. Ask questions, listen. Yeah. So repeat true. Repeat back, verify, validate. That is the actual thing going on for them. And then you get to make an, a, you know, a, a, a suggestion. So, I mean, listen, do you have, um, no, carry on. I, I was going to say, you want to listen to a, or watch a good movie. Your listeners want to listen to a movie that's closer for me to what real selling is. It's Will Smith in In Search of Happiness. And there's a scene in there where he turns around and said, I worked harder than all the other guys because I knew I had to. He talks about where he didn't take the coffee breaks. He didn't drink so he didn't have to go to the toilet. He didn't talk around the, the water machine because he knew that he had to put more in the top of the funnel. And if he mm. could put more in the top of the funnel, he would qualify more of those people. He'd have more good conversations with real people. Then he could put more proposals in front of people. And fun enough, more of those people say, you know what, I like that. I'll go ahead with it. Mm. And it's the work ethic there that um, really a great movie and uh, something that I think is real. I, I was fortunate enough to meet the, the real man in the movie and it's, um, uh, it was that work ethic. I asked him, what's one thing, one bit of advice you give salespeople? Work your ass off. And, and there's, there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, that could apply to you know, anyone in, in any profession, because there isn't many out there that achieve the success without actually, you, know, you see it on the surface, right? You see the, um, you know, the, the trappings of success or whatever. But what you don't see is, is what's gone on behind the hard yeah. work, the long hours, if it, you know, all that kind of thing. And it's like, there isn't generally a secret. The secret is, you know, if there is one, it's consistency. Yeah, it's consistency with the right approach. But, you know, obviously if you're consistently doing it wrong, you, you know, that's insanity. But yeah. it's consistently following up. And, and that's where I think it's so important when it comes to, you know, I refer to sales and marketing being like cats and dogs, right? Yep. 
the yes and no. I, I think that when you actually have sales and marketing aligned, it's 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 one big happy family, right? You are in the same boat. And marketing's job there is to essentially do a lot of that qualification that you've you know talk, spoke about there to be front and center when that customer or that client is doing that research, gathering all of that information so that when they actually then get to have a conversation, they're armed with all of that information. You know that they've got all of that information and essentially they are aware of the problem. They know your solution. And when you're having that conversation, you are confirming as a salesperson that yes, they are in that situation. You're summarizing or understanding where they are and then you get to present this solution as it fits for them and sort of say well you know would you like to do this it's it's a lot more simple in a way than if you're going out reaching out like the will smith example cold calling and trying to fill your funnel yourself as a salesperson that's why i think the alignment is is so yeah i, I think when you get it it makes everything easier yeah but also i would just urge so many people listen to this that you know, they're listening to this because they need to improve the sales in their business, in their boss's business somehow. Um, don't get into the trap. And this is the cats and dogs now. We're going to have a cat and dog fight. Don't get in the trap of putting off the <laughs> inevitable. Too often I see salespeople spend all their time on the marketing. Okay, let's yeah. do this email. Let's go on to a click funnels. Let's go and see what they can do that. Let's develop that because it's going to be the golden bullet. What they forget, though, is at the end of this, this is to have that conversation, to pick up the phone, get in front of people. And so many times I'll say, hey, you know what? Could we achieve that by just getting on the phone? So many times you can because your competitor might be spending far too much time on doing all the let's just do this click funnel, let's do that, let's mm -hmm. spend uh, four hours a day on uh, Instagram and Facebook and let's get that post right there mm -hmm. for nothing. Um, at the end of the day, you've got to have that sales conversation. At the 100%. end of the day, you had to turn around and say to your wife, hey, do you want to go out on a date? Uh, actually, you could um, all day long, you, you've got to get to that final bit there. Mm. Um, it's it's make the damn offer. Yes. Um, um, one, of yes. The, uh, one of the guests, I don't know if it will be before of this, uh, Joel Lowaway, uh, yeah, he, or he's, uh, he says make the Dan offer, uh, Dan, I think, uh, <laughs> from, uh, yeah, he's uh, east coast of America. And um, I've, I've realised that, yeah, I've, I've done that a number of times. I, even in the marketing, you, you kind of, you get sort of brought into this way of thinking, you know, you, you have to, be, and it's a British thing, maybe, you know, maybe. the Australian connection. It's a bit of a British thing. We're, we're, we're a little bit overly polite. We don't always like to ask or we don't want to feel like we're imposing. So therefore yeah. we don't just ask the question. I'm terribly, terribly guilty of that. And that's why I think I found sales quite difficult. And, you know, still do to this day. I, I Sometimes I just forget to just say, well, look, shall we do this? Like, I, Or this is what we're going to do. Do you want to do it? And that's, yep. that's, that's me. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's not just you, Adam. It's that fear of rejection again. Um, we're talking about movies. I don't know where I'm going from here. And by the way, your listeners, I'm happily married. Please don't take the wrong way. <laughs> but, but, but the other movie with Will Smith, I don't know the name of it, but he's some sort of date doctor and he's giving advice and he's at the door that his clients at the door with the girl and he has to go for the kiss um and he, will says something along the lines of go lean forward 80 percent and let them come back 20 percent okay so that for me is closing but he'd done all the groundwork beforehand he earned the right to get to that situation mm -hmm. but you know what every one of us we're a little bit nervous beforehand because we hate the rejection but if you know how to deal with the objection when it comes up, you're actually fine. Because it's going to be the same objections. People are listening to this now thinking, right, how do I improve my sales tomorrow? Mm. Okay. They're getting the same objections all the time. I want to think about it. That's not enough. I need to check on my business partner. There's another client that's offering a better service than you, cheaper. It's the same objections every time they're coming up. Write them down. They won't get more than six or seven maximum, I promise. And then work out what's my response to those six or seven different objections. Once you're mm. armed with that, it helps take away that fear of rejection. And I it's think what you cover there as well is, is it's the fear of rejection, but it's also, I think, a fear of not knowing how to respond, not knowing yeah. what to say or not sounding credible when you say it. And 
you know, it, you guys, you know, in sales, it's, it's, it's objection handling and all the rest of it. It's, it's not so much, I don't know, maybe it's just my view. I don't see it necessarily as objection handling. It's, it's more around sort of, um, building, building in or, or handling people's questions. It's, it's a question. It's not always an objection. Um, I suppose, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm comp- a little bit naive in that road, in that road, but uh, I, I sort of think that if you do, then know those objections. Are you able to bring them up at, in advance and and handle them before they even become a question? I don't yeah. know. They, um, I think yeah. There's first of all that movie is hitched. By the way, um, uh, is it? Okay, well yeah, done. I am. Thanks. I am a terrible movie geek, <laughs> okay. buff, and I'm one of those that sort of watch a movie and then sort of have my phone on IMDb at the same time. But there, we go. <laughs> okay. my, yeah, don't watch a movie with me. But um, you sort of mentioned, you know, how 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 can people sort of improve their sales and everything? Would you have any sort of like sage pieces of advice um, if they were looking at how do I actually sell the process? Or I mean, for example, what are your thoughts on scripting? Yeah, and um, well, listen, with the scripts, we we all sound like scripts. Okay, I, I I avoid the scripts like the plague if I can. Now you will get some sales trainers saying, ah, hold on. Every good Hollywood movie, if that's going to be the theme of this podcast, has got a really good script, but doesn't sound scripted. And that's true. But you see, Harrison Ford, Brad Pitt, they've got an unfair advantage, a few unfair advantages. Number one, they're dealing with another actor that has a script. We're dealing with a customer that can say what they want, when they want, how they want. Number two, at any point, Harrison Ford can say, cut, Sorry, I stuffed that one up. Do you mind if we go back and start again? Mm. You know, I'd love to do that. In this podcast, I'd love to say, hey, can we go back? I wish I didn't even mention that bit. (laughs) Okay. We can't do that. Mm. But here's the third thing. It's super, super hard to use other people's words, word for word, and sound natural. Mm. If it was easy, they wouldn't have to pay Brad Pitt $15 million a movie or whatever it is. So Mm. I believe in a format. I believe having a game plan. Okay. Uh, but I don't believe in having that script. Could you mm. imagine that uh, word for word script? It becomes too monologue there. But yeah, you, you have to have a game plan there. Dead right. You need to make sure that you're following a, a process that have we sold ourselves? Have we sold the product service? Now have we sold the numbers? You then, when we're putting the numbers in, we have to ask for the business. We all know that in selling. Anyone listening to this saying that's the biggest thing you've got to ask for the business. And it's not if they want to go ahead, but how. They want to go ahead. We're great mm. on that assumptive route. Uh, and then dealing with the inevitable objections that comes up. Hey, that's when great salespeople start. It's when the customer says no, or I'll get back to you. That's mm. when it starts for me. Because you can really sort of hear some of the the real underlying issues that they might not have been saying before because you get to ask questions. I guess maybe the best way to handle objections is to ask you know further questions. Why is that important? Yeah, yeah, it is. Find out exactly what the objections are, okay, and find out is it going to be a deal breaker. The other thing, you know what? I used to think you had to overcome every objection every time to get people to buy. Well, you don't. We we compromise all our lives and lots of different things. Look how much your poor wife's had to compromise, okay? (laughs) Sorry, listeners, I can say that to Adam because uh, I know Adam well enough to get away with that, I think. (laughs) I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) But but we do. We compromise in all walks of life there. I used to think I had to overcome every objection every single time. But you know what? Think about the last um, house. Last house I bought. I didn't like everything about it. I didn't like the price. I didn't like that I had to replace all the windows. I didn't like that it, um, I had to put an extension on it before it was fit for purpose. Uh, I didn't like um, lots of things. But we liked enough other things about it to put up with the compromises. So mm. once you've got an objection, is it a deal breaker? Okay. And simple things like, yeah, okay, but listen, if everything else stacks up right, will that such and such, will that really stop you going ahead with our service? Okay, and we we get that all the time. We're probably one of the leading online digital trainers in the motor trade. And uh, we've got something like 400 modules from B2B and sales modules, and that's a big chunk of our business. And sometimes we'll have clients say, ah, yeah, but we want these modules and those modules, which we can do. We have to go in the studio and record bespoke stuff for 
Toyota, bespoke stuff for that big dealer group, which we can do, but it costs money. And every mm. time I say, yeah, okay, we could do that, that's what it's going to cost. But actually, as the program is at the moment, would it really stop you wanting to roll it out to start with and see mm. what impact you're getting from it? And the amount of times, Adam, people say, you know what, not really. Great, well, listen, let's just get started and let's talk about that six months down the track if you really want to invest in that extra uh, to, to bespoke the program to you. Yeah. You don't have to overcome every objection. You have to deal with every objection. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately I think what I'm, I'm hearing from everything that you're saying really is that sales is not a game of I win, you lose. No. It's a game of I win, you win. It's relationship. And even if that means that you don't make the sale. Yeah, 100%. It might not be right. You haven't got the sale this time. You might get the sale next time and next time and the time after that, okay? Uh, again, anyone could sell one product or service. It's actually, it's selling the next and the next and the next. Mm. That's what what we really need to get to, I think. And and something that helped me sort of get over that sort of, um, I don't know, that, that, that anxiousness around sales or that that fear or anything you know yes it was it was hearing no it's like i've i've put so much of myself into the things that i do and you know the, the kind of uh, strategies and all the rest of it because it's it's 17 years worth of, of knowledge that goes into everything and i feel and i felt it very personal right yeah. when it was a rejection it's like oh no yeah. i don't think that that you know yeah of course and i think there are a lot of people out there especially if they are selling what they have developed or um you know they're selling their knowledge and their expertise and their qualifications and all that kind mm. of thing but I kind of I heard something and, and it really helped me to get over that. And that is when it comes to making those sales and making those offers, if you hear no, that's fine because you're then one no closer to finding the right yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that we, we, me. It does. And we talk about these numbers game as well. Listen, I, I get the numbers game, okay? However, um, we still need to make sure that we improve our ratios as much as we can. So many times you will have clients dealing in a B2B a small market. I mean, manufacturers in the UK, there's only a limited number of manufacturers we can deal with. There's only a limited number of dealer groups. We can't throw a whole lot of numbers at the wall, okay? We've got to be very, very specific as to the way we do that because too often you'll only get one chance within that organisation. Uh, and once it's gone, it's gone. Um, so, Absolutely. yeah, I, I do get that it's a numbers game. And I know I talked about uh, Will Smith before in the, in the pursuit or the search of happiness. I think it's the pursuit of happiness. Um, mm. And he was talking about numbers game. Again, his market that was perfect for because there's a whole lot of people on that rich list, I think he was phoning, mm. to uh, try and talk about their investments. Um, 100%. And, and I think that there is, yes, everything to a degree becomes a form of numbers game when you're looking at analysing and all the rest of it. But I think there's a fallacy in larger numbers, especially mm. if you are very specific with the kind of person you serve, your ideal target client and all that. You're, you're a great example. Like you, you focus around um, helping sales teams improve their processes and their, you know, their, their, uh, you know, their sales in a very specific industry, car dealers. Mm. Mm. So you know that actually you're not going after you know, the, the 100,000 people coming into the top of your funnel every single day and then sort of, you know, chucking them through that kind of thing. Or, you know, you're having to, you have a, a sales team of 100 people bashing the phones to anyone in a phone book. Like that's, that's not the numbers game you're playing. You're playing the value of smaller numbers because yeah. you can identify, you, you know, you can literally identify by name each of the individuals that you would like to have these conversations with. I, and that's something that people listen to this really need to get there. I believe they need to get their head around who is their market. Um, and you're right. I could tell you right now that David Peel is the managing director of Peugeot and he is the man that will put me into James Weston, who is the managing director of Robinson Day, which is a Peugeot-owned dealer group. And it's through James Weston I'll be talking about their online digital sales training program. So when we're doing training programs for the car salespeople, that's about how the hybrid technology works and it's very specific on uh, knowledge and selling skills. In our business, we know who the people are. We know who we're uh, trying to get to. Uh, number one, you guys need to know who they're trying to get to. Get that mm. focus list. Find out what they can do to get into them. Um, because that way, you know, you're not, not just throwing lots and lots of marketing at the wall. Because you know what? We're talking about selling here. Not 
marketing. Let's let's take some of the digital companies there um, that have huge growth out there. Um, they're actually getting huge growth because they're selling word of mouth. Uh, WhatsApp, okay. I can't remember any time getting a phone call from a WhatsApp salesperson saying, hi, I want to talk to you all about the advantages of WhatsApp. Can I, can I make an appointment, come around and talk to you? No, that was actually viral selling. Uh, mm. Someone else said, get it, do you have WhatsApp? Zoom, okay, we're on Zoom at the moment, okay, because it was quick and easy. Someone else did Zoom, I tried the other one, so I thought, you know what, I'm comfortable with Zoom now. I've heard Teams is better. I can't be bothered learning a new one. Okay, Zoom's good enough for me at the moment. I'll just continue. So with that, there's a huge numbers there. Is that really selling? I believe what Zoom's done, they're doing marketing. Most mm. people want to know about selling. They need, it's, they're bringing it down to a smaller market. They know who the decision makers are in the marketplace there. Um, and that's what happens in big ticket sales. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, what you've described there are, are companies that do have that mass market appeal and they do have that luxury of being able to effectively appeal to anyone with a smartphone or with a computer yep. or wants to talk over over um you know video call and that kind of thing however this is where the sales and the marketing cats and dogs thing again we we align on because you have to get very specific about who your ideal client is even yep. when you're marketing you know, when you're selling because you create the marketing that your salespeople know has been consumed by the people that they're talking to. Great. So listen, let's let's take you for an example, okay? The difference between marketing and selling there. Let's say Adam wants to grow his business. Now you are absolutely shit hot in what you're doing in your space in marketing, okay? He knows he's gone down inside out, back to front. You want to grow your business. You could spend your life on click funnels, on uh, doing a whole lot of different stuff on Facebook and marketing, all that. Or you can turn around and say, very simply, and we're gonna go in sales training mode now, um, you've done some work with us, which has been very successful, okay? I know who my competitors are in the marketplace. It's quick, it's simple, it's easy. You could find out who my competitors are in my marketplace by saying, hey, Skippy, who are your competitors? I have no problem telling you we come up against MarTech, caliber we come up against xyz okay if not do a bit of research on google mm. then adam what you're going to do is you're going to pick up the phone to one of my competitors you're going to try and get to the right person that's hard that's called getting through the gatekeeper so many people have so many tricks on how to get to the gatekeeper you don't need to do that what you need to do is your phone and the first person is hey listen i want to know who is the right person to speak to regarding the marketing of the company? Because we've just done a very successful program with Simcoe Training. If they're one of our competitors, do you think they know who we are? Of course oh, they certainly. do. Certainly. Okay. That gatekeeper will go along to the, the person responsible for it and say, they'll have a post-it note. There'll be a message. Okay. And it'll be Adam King regarding Simcoe Training. My competitors are going to see hold on, Adam King, don't know who he is, okay? We're not sure about uh, thinking like a fish, not sure about that company, but I do know Simcoe Training. Do you think they might take your call? Curiosity's going on. And then here's mm. the call, Adam. It's as simple as this. Hi, Mr. Decision Maker in Calibre. We've just provided uh, some marketing program for Simcoe Training has been very successful. What I want to do is make an appointment to come along and talk to you about how successful it has been for Simcoe and how it might be successful for you. Hey, listen, when's a good time to just arrange a Zoom appointment to do that? Would this week be better for you or would next be better? Okay, how would they not want to know what my business mm. is? Now, of course, you know the objection's going to come up, Adam. They're going to turn and say, oh, Adam, thank you very much, but we do all our marketing in-house. You know, that's going to come up. You need to know how to deal with that. You know what, that's exactly what Simon from Simcoe Training said until I found out that our approach actually helped with their current marketing strategy and got really, really good results. Hey, but mm. listen, why don't we have that Zoom coffee and just see what we did for him and how successful it was for him and how successful it might be for you. Now, listen, when is better for you? Did you say next week now? Would that be more Thursday or Friday? Mm. Now, at the end there, okay, is that pushy? Some people say yes. Okay, uh, they'll raise skinny kids. But I think we've got to earn the right to ask for that mm. business there. Now, again, Adam, I'm in trainer mode. Half the time you're going to get voice mail, voice messages. They're people screening the calls. You'll get through to the gatekeeper. 
you want to increase your business, you want to provide uh, your marketing training for one of my competitors, okay? It goes through a voicemail, here's the message you leave. Ring, 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 ring. Hi, you're through to the decision maker at MarTech Training. Leave a message, I'll get back to you if I can be asked. <laughs> That's the message, isn't it? Uh, hi, Mr. Decision Maker. My name is Adam King. I run a company called, well, I, I keep saying Think for Fish. I think that's your company. Is that right? Yeah, What's Think the Like a Fish. Yeah, like yeah, a Fish. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I should know that. Okay. So, hi, you're through. Leave a message. I'll get back to you if I can be bothered. Uh, hi, Mr. Decision Maker. My name is Adam King. I work for a company called Think Like a Fish. The reason for the call is we've just done a very successful program with Simcoe Training, and I want to talk to you about how successful it has been for them. Please give us a call when you have a chance on 07-949-240-550. You know what? If people want quick wins, okay, look at people they've sold to already. Find out who their competitors are and they bounce from one to the other. And you know what? In 20 years in my life of running Simco Training, that's where most of our business has come from, hmm. picking up the phone and getting there. Now, listen, don't take that the wrong way, Okay. Amount of times what's really helped what you've done, Adam, for us is now when I'm picking up the phone, they know who we are because mm. they've seen our podcast in automotive management. They've heard us on the podcast. They've read the book, okay? We've got something like 500 books go out every month. So they, when we make that approach, they know who we are. So they're the cats and dogs. But, hey, you know what? Absolutely. Um, one does not survive without the other. No, never does. And uh, yeah, I mean, something that I hadn't, I don't think I'd even mentioned is that, you know, we have actually worked together and, and you're giving an example of some of the stuff that, uh, you know, we've been working on. But I think what's really, what's really interesting, I found really interesting working with you is that the approach that you take, you understand it, like you don't need to be convinced about like the effectiveness of certain things and all the rest of it. And, and I've learned quite a lot from you in terms of some of the, the, the conversational pieces that you would do on things like LinkedIn or, um, you know, because it's just a way to get to a conversation. I've always said great marketing creates conversations. Mm -hmm. Like it is, that is it. Like, especially in the, in the area that we that are primarily sort of working, which is B2B and services, because you cannot build a relationship and build trust without having a conversation with another human being. And hey, so Adam. the marketing is all there just to get to the conversation. And if there's a faster route, why not? Could I add something to your catchphrase? Great marketing leads to great, leads to great conversations and great conversations leads to sales. And it's, it's, and that's those great conversations that leads to the sales there. Um, because I that's think, what selling is. It's a conversation. Yeah. Like we're having now. Like I, as you said, I, I don't script this. I don't have pre-prepared questions. We have a conversation. We see where it goes. And, uh, you know, the, the, the ultimate aim is to get as much of your knowledge and expertise out of your head, some great stories and, and, and all the rest of it. And I think we've achieved that. So what I want to be able to do is give people a opportunity to find out more. Um, even if you're not in the motor trade, like Simon has some amazing stuff to have a look at. He's got a great book, which is words that sells cars, but it will apply to any industry. And so where's the best place to find out about you? Yeah. Easiest place. Come and find me at LinkedIn. I'm Simon Bokett and that's B-O-W-K-E-T-T. -E uh, from there, you can find our company Simcoe Training and that's S-Y-M-C-O Training. Uh, and you can see exactly what we do there. Uh, but again, uh, speak to us about what we do, because you know what, um, the, why car sales is not right for you. It's 50% of our business. Speak to us about what my sales team do on a daily basis, how we do it. That's the business to business uh, side of it there. Um, it's, it's the two strings of that bow there. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, if you are interested in, um, you know, selling cars, for example, you've also got your podcast, which is recently launched, which is a... Um, yeah, selling it. Selling in the, the motor trade, uh, we're doing this in association with Automotive Management, a big trade magazine. Uh, and that podcast is uh, purely about in the motor trade, selling in the motor trade, hence the title there. Um, I learned that from you, Adam. Keep things nice and simple, what we actually do. <laughs> uh, some of the best marketing I ever heard, and you might tell me who it was, was horse for sale. Sometimes that's the best. Was that an Ogilvy or someone like that? Um, I... Uh... I think I've heard that attributed to um, 
Jay Abraham um, okay. in okay. a different side way. It might have been a, an overview thing, but um, yeah. I've heard him say that, you know, sometimes um, people just want to buy a horse to sell, yep. them, a, to sell them a horse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Occam's cool. razor, the simplest answer is often the, uh, um, the obvious one, right? So... Um, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, go and have a little look, uh, a little listen at that if you're uh, interested in that, because it's not just about, um, you know, the motor trade, like you interview people, but also there are some, you know, th- there's some great um, episodes where you give tips and it can apply universally, um, yeah. not just to the motor trade. There are my, one or two, but yeah, it's it's got some great be. nuggets, absolutely great nuggets. So um, yeah, go and have a listen to that podcast and uh, check out some of the things that Simon does. So it's been a pleasure, as always, Simon. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. So um, all that's left to say is happy fishing. Thank you very much. So there we go. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some great ideas and, and found it really valuable. And you've got some things that you can now go off and do in your own business to help grow your business and attract and catch more clients. And if you have found it valuable and you can think of just one other person that may find some of these ideas helpful and and, and help them grow their business, please share it with them because they'll thank you for it. So also don't forget to grab a copy of my book, Conversational Relationship Marketing from the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And all that's really left with me to say is thank you ever so much for listening today. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there you could be listening to. You've chosen this one. And for that, I am truly, truly grateful. If you're a first time listener or a, or a long time listener and you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do because you'll get updated of the latest episodes every time they come out. And if again, you are enjoying it, I'd really, really appreciate a honest rating review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one personally, and they do really mean the world to me. And yes, they help others find the show. If you're able to do that, again, I massively, massively appreciate it. But until next time, happy fishing.